I'm just so thankful. I'm just crazy. Thank you. God's good. Amen. God's good. And uh, he's got a wonderful sense of humor. Uh, all these great visitors with us today. If you're just visiting with us, you need to know that this is not uh, uh, a selective message at you. Uh, I, I, uh, I have been preaching my way through a little bit. Now, with the exception of Easter, we broke off and uh, wanted to preach salvation on Easter. Felt like that's what the Lord would have us to do. And, uh, but before that, we were preaching on biblical manhood, uh, talking about what it means to be a biblical man, a godly man. And so today we're going to talk about what it means to be a godly woman. Um, and so you may, uh, uh, this may be your first and last trip to come here, but I don't know. Uh, uh, we thank God that you're here today anyways. Uh, I can tell you for certain that uh, I'm nervous this morning. Right? Very, very nervous. So uh, just want to do a good job. I want to represent the Lord well. Uh, desire your prayers. So picking up where we left off, we began covering the attributes of godly men, um, and, and, and today we're going to look at these attributes of a godly woman. Now, I've been talking to several of the women in church that sent me a message, or I ran into them here and there, and they they kind of uh, let me know that they're anxious to hear my thoughts on this, uh, and I kind of feel like it's a little bit of a setup, but uh, I hope I hope that it's not. Uh, I, uh, I want to do a, a good job. I'll remind you that... Uh, these sermons, uh, both the sermon on biblical commandhood and this one on a godly woman, uh, they don't win friends. Uh, they're not popular. They're certainly countercultural, I believe, uh, in the world that we live in today. But we've got to remember what the Lord told us about that. He said, the world hated me, and if it hates me, it'll hate you. Amen? Amen. It's going to hate you too. And He said, I, I, he, he said be of good cheer in the world when they come against you when you have trouble, all these things. I have overcome the world. Amen? So that's what I'm looking forward to today is just uh, holding on to the fact that I know that no matter what we preach, no matter how the world receives it, God knows what's right. I know preaching sermons like this comes at a cost. Um, we won't be the most popular church in the county. Uh, and, and I know that preaching sermons like this may lose some people who are looking for a church to stick their name a part of, but I want more than people who just want their name on a church roll. Amen. 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 I want people who want the Lord. Amen. Amen. That's, that's my desire. I'd rather have a small biblical church than a big world church any day of the week. I'll take it all day long. Uh, and so I just... Uh, I, I want you to know that I'd rather stand true to the Word of God. Than to have all the accolades of men and all the, the fame and all the things that people, all the compliments. I don't want sugar-coated preaching. Uh, now, I believe that just like these sermons will, will have a, a, an impact to our church, I believe if you try to live them out, they'll have an impact to you. Um, I, I, they come at a cost to you. You may not be popular. I mean, the truth generally makes you lose some friends. Some of your family might turn their back on you. You'll gain something a lot better than that. Amen? The Bible talks about joy unspeakable and full of glory. You'll be loving Jesus through obedience. That's the, that's the fruit of love. 
Jesus said, how will men know? How, how, how will I know if you love me? Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Amen? Amen. Not perfectly always. And we understand that, but we don't make excuses for it either, do we? If you love me, keep my commandments. I pray I don't bore you this morning. Very much a teaching message today. So you just have to sit with it and, and go with it. And uh, If it bores you to death, try to hold on for a few more minutes. Uh, I was holding Clayton back there. I was back there at the computer making sure the mics and stuff were working right. And I was holding Clayton and he said, Bill, is this going to be a long church? <laughs> I, said, I said, yeah, probably. And he said, he said, why does it have to be a long church? <laughs> I said, well, what do you got to do, Clayton? He said, I don't know. <laughs> I just don't want to be here. Just hold on. Hold on, little buddy. We'll get through it. Uh, let me begin by telling you the why. Okay? Why this message? I know there's people who will say, and there's people who do say all the time. I was listening to a, a, a man the other day who said, when you stand up to preach, you, you, know, you don't need to preach all these other things. You just need to preach, only preach salvation. Amen. Um, and while I think there's a great need for us to preach salvation, I think every sermon we preach can be about salvation. Amen, amen, amen. I do think that. Um, but I also think that, that we've we got we to go beyond sometimes and look, not beyond salvation as if it's not important, but we've got to look beyond that and see what it is the Lord wants for us. And the reason why I want to preach this today is because I, I, I know it's controversial. I, I know that we can leave well enough alone. I know it might hurt feelings. I know all those things. But what we're talking about today, uh, you need to make no mistake about that. This is more than a cultural difference of opinions. This is a spiritual battle. When we talk about biblical manhood and biblical womanhood, it's more than, well, let's agree to disagree. It's knowing what God wants for us versus what the world wants for us. It is a spiritual battlefield. It's a war that's being waged. And if you look at our society, there's a great war on the family. Would you agree with that? There's a great war on gender roles. Would you agree with that? We're in a war for these things, and it's it's God's word versus what society's popular opinion is. And and let me tell you what the outcome of this war, uh, what's at stake, I should say, what's at stake is our homes, our families, our churches, and our testimony before the world. These things are what's at stake. It's not about who's in charge. It's not about who does what at home, who washes the dishes, and who mows the grass. It's not about those things. This is about conforming ourselves to the image of Jesus Christ. This is about being obedient to Him. It's about choosing to model our lives after His teaching. It's about being willing to trust Him over ourselves. It's about laying down our ways and saying, God, I want to live Your way. Not my will be done, but Thy will be done. Amen? It's walking by faith. I've got Scriptures that I want to read to you and, 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 and I want to show you some things. And I know you may be sitting in here and when we talk about godly women. right? And, 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 and I hate that some of you miss the men's. Um, because now it just looks like I'm picking on women. I'm not. 
You say, preacher, it's too late for me. I've already been divorced multiple times. Uh, my family's a mess. I've got all these issues in my life. My home's in shambles. Life's a mess. I want you to, you need to hear this. It's never too late for God to redeem things. It's never too late for God to redeem things. It's never too late for God to fix broken things. I remember in the Old Testament there how the prophet looked and he, he saw the pot, the, the potter there and the wheel and the clay pot was all broken up and he saw how the potter took all the pieces and put it back on the wheel and made a new vessel. It's never too late for God to redeem broken things. No matter where, what shape you're in today sitting in here, tomorrow can be a better day. Tomorrow can be a different day. You can start brand new today. I believe if we've been living wrong, if we've been doing wrong, God wants us to repent. He wants us to repent of sin. Put our faith in Him. Amen? Let's get into the Scripture. I want to show you that I've got clear points. I've got eight of them, so don't panic. <laughs> Eight clear points that I want to make very, very, very clear. The reason I want them to be clear is I want you to be able to study them. I want you to be able to go back and fact check. I want you to be able to go back and really dig in and say, is this right or not? And the first one is, if you want to be a godly woman, you have to fear the Lord. Proverbs 31.30 Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain or passing. But a woman that fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Amen. Amen. Amen? A woman who fears the Lord is a beautiful woman. Literally, it means to be a God-fearing woman. If you don't have this today, if you have no fear of God, then this message will do absolutely nothing for you. You, don't, you know why? Because you don't care what the book says. You don't care what God says. You're not interested in changing. You're not interested in being closer to God. You're not interested in pleasing God. If you don't fear the Lord, none of those things matter to you. But a woman who does fear the Lord, she's come to understand who God is. She understands that God is wiser than she is. She confesses that His ways no matter how they are, no matter what they are, no matter how different they are than the culture, His ways are higher than her ways. Amen? Amen. Amen. She understands that she may not always know the why behind what God is doing. She may not always understand why things are the way they are, but she understands that God is the authority in her life. That God is the one who is sovereign. That He is the Lord of her life. He's the decider of who she is to be. Same with a man. Amen? Amen. So she understands God is wiser. She understands God's authority. And you know what else she understands? She understands that God loves her. Amen? Amen. Amen. She understands that. That whatever He is doing is to being done out of love for her. Whatever He's commanded, He's commanded because He loves her. How many times do we tell our children that? You say, I don't, my kids will say, why? Why do we have to do that? 
Why can't I do this? And I say the same thing. Because I love you and I know better. I know best. I've done that. I've jumped off a rock before. I've swung on a grapevine. I know the outcome. I've been there. And I saw that I don't want you to get to experience and I live experience things like that. But I know best and because I love you more than you love me. I love my kids more than they love themselves. And I want to protect them. That's exactly the way that God loves us. Sometimes we look at God's ways and we say, why does it have to be that way? Why? 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 He says, because I know best and I love you. Amen? You can trust Him. You can trust Him. That's the way a God-fearing woman looks at the Scripture when she reads it. She doesn't look at it and say, God is a sexist. She looks at it and says, wow, God loves me and I need to, I need to get behind this. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Amen? Okay. Amen. I better not get more amens from the men. You heard that? You all are being drunk. It's okay, men, if you need an exemption, you don't have to say amen today if you're afraid. <laughs> But if you're afraid, we'll have a sermon for you too. <laughs> Ultimately, this is the reality for a God-fearing woman. A God-fearing woman is satisfied in Christ. That's where she's satisfied. She's come to an understanding that she doesn't have to be anything else. She doesn't need anything else in the world other than Christ. Why? This is what's important. Ready? A woman who fears the Lord isn't busy trying to please the world. She's not busy trying to make the world like her. She's not trying to impress the world with her great success and, and her great beauty. She's not trying to bring attention to herself. Listen, there are a lot of women today. There's a lot of people today. But I'm preaching to women. There's a lot of women today who thrive off of how many people will like their picture on Facebook and Instagram. They thrive off of that. That's where they get their joy from. If they don't get a hundred likes, they feel let down. They feel disappointed. They thrive off the comments of somebody telling them how beautiful they are. And that's why they keep putting those pictures on there. So that somebody will tell them how pretty they are. How beautiful they are. They thrive off of that. They thrive off how many men are trying to get involved in their life. How many men want to be with them. But a godly woman, she's found the real source of joy. A godly woman, listen, a godly woman knows where her joy comes from, where her peace comes from, where her love comes from, where her beauty comes from. It's not in the world. It's in Christ. That's where a godly woman knows things are. Amen? Listen, for some of you today, that's where the journey begins. Right there. You've got to stop trying to impress everybody else. You've got to stop trying to find your joy in somebody else or something else. Always trying to find joy in people's perception of you. Trying to find happiness and, 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 and trying to validate yourself by how many people like you and want to be with you and all these things. Instead, know that this, that the God that created the entire universe, He wants to be with you. Amen. 
He longs to be in relationship with you. That's got to be good enough for you. Amen? That's where, you're, that's where you get your joy from. The world teaches us that to be a successful woman, you have to be independent. But God's Word teaches us for you to be a godly woman, you have to be totally dependent on Him. You've got to be totally... All these female anthems that are being sung today about being independent and needing nobody. And needing, you know what? We all need somebody. We need the Lord. We're lost without Him. Amen? Fearing, trusting, loving, be satisfied in Him. Now, let's go to Titus. This is where I want to take the main portion of the message. If you remember, this is where I took a lot of the men's message from too. Titus chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine. In other words, it's good doctrine. It's right doctrine. It's the doctrine of God. That the older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, in patience. I preached all that to the men. Now verse 3. The older women likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish or teach the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their husbands, that the Word of God may not be blasphemed. Thank you. Thank you. No t-shirts with that on it, are they? <laughs> we learned some things from this passage that are specifically written to women. It's very clear that the older women, now notice he doesn't give an age, does he? He doesn't say what age. He just says older women. Everybody's older than somebody. Amen? But the older women, you are to teach and to instruct the younger women. The second point I would make to you today is that women are to be to grow in Christ and become so mature that they would be able to teach other women how to be a Christian. Amen. Thank you. The men really took me serious when I gave them an out. It's okay. I think it's obvious from the Scripture that Paul expects the older women not just to teach with their lips, with their words, but with their actions. I, I want to tell you today, no one will listen to you if they don't respect you. Nobody will listen. You can teach all day long. Right? You can tell everybody what they're supposed to do. You can tell them how they're supposed to do it. You can do all those things. But if they don't respect you, if they haven't seen you do it, if they don't see you living it, they're not listening. Amen? Amen. There are qualifications that must be considered right before you jump up and, 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 and say, well, I'm going to teach everyone. I'm going to teach the younger women. Listen, and, 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 and Paul lays those out to Titus. He says they're this. The first one is, you must be reverent in your behavior. What does that mean? That's a very similar word to virtuous. 
Where do we remember that word from? Proverbs 31. Who can find a virtuous woman? Her price is far above rubies. Amen? Their character is a picture of holiness. Their character is a picture of holiness. Women, according to this passage of Scripture, you are to conduct yourself in a godly and respectable and holy manner at all times. Amen? Oh, you say you preach it so hard nobody can live it. Well, there's grace. But don't use it as an excuse to sin. Not slanderers. What's a slanderer? Somebody who damages somebody else's reputation. Somebody who gossips. Somebody who's a false accuser. Somebody who spends more time talking about other people than they do about the Lord. Somebody that spreads rumors. Talks about people behind their back. He says they can't be given to much wine. In other words, they need to be sober. They need to be self-disciplined, in control of themselves. Then, once they have those things, they can become a teacher of good things. And I believe it's a huge gap in our families and in our churches. And, and, and let me tell you why I say that. Because I think there's a lot of younger Christian women, a lot of women who've recently given their hearts and lives to the Lord. Maybe they just started a family. Maybe they're in their, their late teens, early 20s, maybe early 30s, whatever the case may be. And they have no role model in their life. None. Their mother, maybe she's passed away. Or maybe their mother's an unbeliever and so they can't look to her for, for guidance on how to be a good Christian. And, and so they have no mentor. And then some young women, they struggle because they really don't want a mentor. They think they know everything already. Mm -hmm. yeah. Amen? Amen? They don't want to be told how to do something. They got it all figured out. They won't humble themselves and learn. And then some are looking around saying, would somebody teach me? And the older women are so self-absorbed and self-righteous that they won't humble themselves down to teach. Mm -hmm. They lack interest in them. They can figure it out on their own. Leave them to it. And let me be real honest. Many can't teach what they don't know. And they certainly can't teach what they won't live. Amen? You're called to mature so that you can teach other women how to be a godly woman. Third point. It's to married women. I understand that not all men, women are married. But married women are called to love their husbands and their children. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now here's the issue. When we, when we say the word love, we don't always define love the way God defines it. We don't always think of it the way that He thinks of it. So many of you would say here, of course I love my husband. Of course I love my children. But let me ask you this. What does love look like when it's lived out? Anybody can say it. Amen? Love is an action, not a feeling. You've got to hold on to that and know it. It's more than a feeling. It has specific actions associated with it. What are they? Listen, uh, if you look to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 
You can see those. We've went over them time and time again. But look at it from the perspective of this is the character. If I love someone, these are the attributes that I will show them. Love is patient. Are you patient? Love is. Not love should be. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It's not jealous. Love is not boastful. So what? What? How, I'm better at you than this. I'm better at you than that. You'd be nothing without me. I have seen spouses, not just women, women and men, absolutely demean their partner to the point that that it's pitiful. That they feel worthless in their sight. Love does not do that. Love is not conceited. Love doesn't act improperly. It's not selfish. It's not provoked. In other words, it's not angered easily. And it doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Women. I know you keep records of wrongs. I have heard you talk about the records of wrongs. They come up all the time, amen. <laughs> Come on. It doesn't, it's not easily angered. It doesn't keep a record of wrongs. It doesn't find joy in unrighteousness. But it does rejoice in truth. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. Love never fails. That's what the actions of love look like. Now you can say that you love, but this should be the fruit. And while I realize that none of us, again, I'll say it over and over again, none of us are perfect. Some of these should be evidence in the ones that's not, you should be working hard to get them. Amen? When you evaluate yourself against those actions of love, do your husband, do you think your husband and your children see and feel those things from you? That's the question. Here's the good news, ladies. Men, you're called to love your wives the exact same way. The exact same way. Love is not a woman's job. Amen? Love is everybody's job. It's not just for women, it's for men. Men, you are to be patient. You are to be kind. You are to not be jealous. You are to not boast. You are not to be conceited, to act improperly. You are not to be selfish. Not easily angered. Not keeping a record of wrongs. It works just the same way for me. Amen? Amen? you got to know that. 
This is also how we're called to love our children. We always, when we preach to children, we always preach at them. We always preach at them and say, you're to honor your mother and father. You're to do this. You're to do that. You're to do this. There's a need for that. There's also a need for us to make sure that we understand that we are called to love our children this way. And there's a lot of kids in the world today that do not get this kind of love from their parents. They do not. And it's, it, it's a very sad thing. The Bible says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. Don't try to pick at them all the time until they're so mad that they can't stand you. We're to love our children this way. The Bible says in Psalms that children are a gift from God. Amen. Amen. They're a gift. Not a burden. A gift. Treat them like a gift. I regret that I don't have more time to go deeper into that right now. But I will. Messages are still coming. Amen. We're just we're skimming the surface today. Just like we did with the men, skimming the surface. So we are to, you are women, love your husbands, love your children. Here's the next one. You are to be discreet. What is discretion? Who knows? I, I mean honestly, ask yourself right now. Don't raise your hands. Answer in your own mind. Do you even know what discretion is? And if you don't know what it is, how in the world are you going to live? Amen? Proverbs 11.22 A beautiful scripture. As a ring of gold in a pig's mouth, so is a lovely woman who lacks discretion. Think on for a minute. Let the wisdom of Solomon really sink in. Discretion is, listen to this definition, it's being judicious in one's conduct and speech, especially with regard to respecting privacy and maintaining silence about things of delicate nature. It means to be prudent. A woman who is discreet is careful about her conduct. Amen? She's careful about who's influencing her. She's careful about the plans and purposes that she has. She guards her tongue. Amen? She guards her temper. She guards the way she dresses. Oh, we never hear preaching about this anymore. We never hear it. We need it. We need it. You say, well, this is way too, too strict of a doctrine. No, this ain't even beginning to get strict. This is not strict. This is basic Christian stuff. We ought to, women, you ought to dress in a way that pleases God. To be upright in behavior, careful, that you are knowing, recognizing, looking around and seeing that other women are looking at you and how you act is how they'll act. Sure. Y'all can't even go to the bathroom by yourself. <laughs> if one gets up to go, the other has to go magically. <laughs> so women are watching you. 
They're looking at you. They're seeing your behavior. If you're not living right, they're not going to live right. Amen? Take ownership of that. Know that. She uses good sense, stewardship at home. Nothing is wasted. Lives within her income. Amen. Doesn't waste money. Extravagance is far from her. She's not stingy by any means. Rather, she's very giving to those that need it. Yet she's cautious to see that money isn't wasted. That food and clothing are not wasted. And that anything usable is not wasted. That's discretion. Listen to this. She sets examples before her husband, her children, her neighbors that are worthy to be emulated. They know her life is hid with Christ in God. She possesses the Spirit of the Lord. And this makes it where she can discern between good and evil. Amen? Amen. She shields her husband and children from evils and errors and sin and wickedness. She warns and cautions them against such things and shows them a higher and better and holier and more beautiful way in life. It's to follow Christ. A discreet woman never uses ugly or, 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 or foul language. She doesn't gossip and say mean things about others. And the law of kindness is always on her lips. It controls her speech and her words are seasoned with grace. Man, is this hard? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Your face. <laughs> I'm getting some nerves. <laughs> I knew it would come. Discreet. Chaste is the next one. Chaste generally means sexual purity. Women and men, you are to keep yourself from sexual sin. Amen? Amen. That means the sin of adultery. Amen? Amen. It's very difficult for your spouse to ever trust you if you commit adultery. But this also, this is not just about adultery. If you're single, fornication, you are to wait until you're married. But this also regards the sexual purity of the mind. Many women now, lots of men, women are increasing at rapid rates if you look at statistics, are addicted to pornography now. Pornography has no place in a Christian home. No place. None. It is not sexually pure. Being sexually pure means if you have lustful thoughts towards another man, guess what you should do? Avoid that man. Amen? Same for men. If they have one towards a woman, avoid that woman. You do not put yourself in positions to be tempted. 
I've heard a lot of professing Christian women, and, 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 and I'll make a lot of people mad at this, but they brag and laugh and boast about going to watch some of these movies that are coming out. Magic Mind. Fifty Shades. Goes on and on. Personally, personally, I'm always disappointed in those women. Always. They boast about it, they laugh about it, it seems ungodly to me. They say, well, my husband was glad I saw him. He really charged me up. If you got to go get your batteries charged somewhere else, you can stay there. If you got to go somewhere and get your motor running, I ain't interested in driving the car. Amen. <laughs> I'm just telling you. Right? I mean, there's, we've got to have common sense. I don't need you to have to go somewhere else to get charged up. I don't need it. I believe sexual intimacy, I believe sexual thoughts are to be reserved for your spouse. I believe it with all my heart. I believe that's what chaste means. I don't want my wife thinking about another man when we're being intimate with each other. And I'm sure she don't want me thinking about another woman. Amen? Amen. Amen. You say, it's getting too personal in here. <laughs> it's important. It's important. Christians are falling left and right into these sins. Nobody wants to talk about them because they're embarrassed. You're lucky. I don't get embarrassed. Hebrews 13 and 4 says, Marriage must be respected by all, and the bed undefiled. Amen. But fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. Amen? Sex within a marriage is a gift to be honored and enjoyed within a marriage in a godly way. Amen? Number six. There's only eight. We're on number six. We're doing great. <laughs> Keepers of the home. Boy, I dreaded this one. <laughs> Literally, home workers. Not home wreckers. Home workers. Okay? Home makers. This is where we get into shaky ground. But ladies, I want you to understand, the home is a place where God has given you oversight of it. God has said, this is yours. This is yours. First, let me show you. 1 Timothy 5.14 Therefore I desire that the younger widows marry. Bear children. Look at this next one. Manage the house. Give no opportunity to the adversary to speak reproachfully. <coughs> Men, that means you have to get out of the way and let them have it sometimes. You've got to move so that they can manage the home. God has equipped women to make excellent decisions for a home. He has beautifully gifted them and equipped them to do that. Ladies, you have a huge responsibility here. I hear women talk all the time and say, well, I guess God doesn't see no value in me because He doesn't want me to do this or me to do that. He, you know, He gave men. He, told, he said, men are the head of the home. I bet you're the manager of it. Yeah. He's given you a huge responsibility. 
You are to create and maintain a home that glorifies God. And a lot of women take this call very lightly, and when they do, the impact is a major damage to her family. Wasting money. Creating unnecessary conflict. These things damage a home. Your home, ladies, according to what I can tell, should be, and I'll show you where I get it all from and all those things in a minute, your home should be a place of safety. It should be a place of rest. A place of peace and joy. Listen, in Genesis, what did God say to Adam? God told Adam, He said, I'm putting you in the garden. You are to do what to the garden? Keep it. That same word is the word used here when He talks about women to the home. Keep it. What was Adam's responsibility? He was to take care of it. He was to work in it. He was to keep it up. He was to ensure that everything was done that God wanted done. Ladies, that's the way your home is for you. You have oversight of that home. God has given that home to you. To you. To take care of. My opinion is this doesn't mean that a woman can't work outside the home. However, her priority, if she's going to work outside the home, her priority should be her home, not her career. Tell me the truth. Let's go back to Proverbs 31. Let's read a few verses there. It's going to be a few verses here. We're almost done. Proverbs 31, 11 through 28. The heart of her husband safely trusts her. So he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. She's like the merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. She also rises while it's yet night and provides food for her household and a portion for her maidservants. She considers a field and buys it. From her prophets, she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and strengthens her arms. She perceives that her merchandise is good. Her lamp does not go out by night. She stretches out her hand to the distaff and her hand holds the spindle. She extends her hands to the poor. She reaches out her hands to the needy. She's not afraid of snow, not for her household. For all her household is clothed with scarlet. She makes tapestry for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the lands. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies sashes for the merchants. Strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom and on her tongue is the law of kindness. She watches over the ways of her household. It's an important verse. She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Do you see the qualities of this woman? She had, she was busy doing all kinds of things, but her home was the priority. And because she took such good care of her home, her husband safely trusted her. Her children called her blessed because she took such good care 
Oh, she worked outside the home. She was buying fields, selling fields, planting vineyards, selling tapestry, selling clothing, doing all these things. But home was her place. She was taking care of some of the financial needs in the home. She was ensuring that they all had clothes. There was always food to eat. She was helping to plant the vineyards and the gardens. And she watched over all the activities at home. She didn't let idleness come in and eat at her. Listen to me. Men, this is important for you to hear. I'm not saying that cleaning the house is the woman's responsibility. That's not at all what this Scripture is teaching. When they say keepers of the home, they're not just talking about the dishwashers of the home and the vacuumers of the home and all these other things. Your arms work just as good as theirs. Amen? Amen? If you were raised in a home and you were taught that you can't, you don't have to do anything inside the house, you were taught something wrong. If you live there, you've got responsibilities there. Amen? Amen. I hate them as much as you do. I hate it. But it still has to be done. Your wife, God did not give you a servant. He gave you a helper. Amen? Amen? He did not give you somebody to do your bidding and to run and do all your responsibilities so that you could come home and take your shoes off and she could rub your feet. That's not what He's talking about. Although if you all want to do that, that's wonderful. <laughs> wonderful. But it's not required. What he's talking about is making your house a home. A place where your family can come and be in the presence of God. A place where you don't have to be anxious. A place that's not a place of war and fighting. Amen? Amen? Not of fear, but a place of joy. And men, you can help with that. Just like she helps you in the things that you're called to do. You can help her in the things that she's called to do. It's not unbiblical for you to pick up your socks. It's not unbiblical for you to wash a dish. When we refuse to help with any work at home, what we're doing is making our wives bitter against us. And we're keeping her from doing what God wanted her to do, which was manage them. <coughs> That's not what God intended. Amen? Amen? Now I will say it is my personal opinion, and it doesn't matter for much, but it's my personal opinion that if a wife can stay home, that's best. It's my personal opinion. It's best. There's so much to do. There's so many things that's so complicated and so hard. It's best if they're there so they're not overwhelmed. But it's not always possible. And I understand that. But it's better if you can. And as John MacArthur said one time, he said, the reason it's not possible is sometimes because we get ourselves in positions where it's not possible. Financially, we go out and buy things we don't need and spend money we don't have to spend. Now it's not possible. And we say, we can't make it now. Well, you could have if you hadn't bought all that stuff. Right? So you've got to be careful about that. Seven. Good and obedient to their husbands. That's even least less popular than the first than, than six. Ladies, God's giving you oversight of the home. He's giving men oversight of the family. 
The man is called to lead the family in the way of God and you are to trust Him to lead it that way. I realize there may be issues here. You might have an unbelieving husband or a husband who isn't being obedient to God and certain commandments in the Scriptures. And that can be complicated. And I'll say it front no matter what. If your husband ever wants you to do something that God says you shouldn't do, you have, you have every right to say no. You follow the Lord first. Amen? If your husband's not living godly and he's trying to convince you not to live godly, you ought to obey God rather than men. Amen. I'm taking one last scripture so that we can look at this together and then we'll be getting close to that. Peter, 1 Peter chapter 3. Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, in other words, they're either an unbeliever or they're not being obedient, they also may without the word be won by the conversation or the lifestyle of the wife. While they behold your chaste lifestyle coupled with fear. Those two things we've already talked about. Whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of the braiding or plaiting of the hair and of wearing of gold and putting on apparel. But let it be the hidden man or hidden person of the heart in that which is not corruptible. Even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit which is in the sight of God of great price. For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God ordained themselves that way, being in subjection to their own husbands. It, it is possible that your godly lifestyle, your willingness to live for God and to really live out these truths of Scriptures will either bring your lost husband to the Lord or help him to become more obedient to the Lord if he's already a Christian. Amen. Peter gives that doctrine here for women. And he says this, don't be concerned with your outward appearance. Ladies. Don't be concerned with your outward appearance. That's not what's important to God. What is important to him? He said, be much more concerned about the character, the inner man, the inner person. That is what will win your husband. Not your looks, your character. Amen? What character does he say to have? This is the last one, number eight. A meek and a quiet spirit. This should be what you adorn yourself with, what you clothe yourself with. Let me read this to you quickly. Contrary to what most people think, this is not a picture of a woman who is weak, timid, or soft-spoken. The word meek is a word that describes the attitude of someone who is friendly, warm, forbearing, and patient, kind, and gentle. This would picture someone who is just the opposite of a person who is angry, temperamental, or given to outburst of anger. 
Although a meek person faces opportunities to react in anger or to get upset, she has chosen to be controlled, forgiving, and gentle. Thus, meek people are individuals who have become skilled at controlling themselves and their temper. You might say meekness is power under control. Amen? When Peter goes on to use the word quiet, he's talking of a woman who knows how to keep herself calm and to maintain a state of peace rather than to speak up and utter words that are later regretted. This individual stays quiet and refrains from angry responses. She deliberately decides not to be a contributor to conflict, but to be a peacemaker instead. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers. Amen. 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 What we need to understand, guys, is that we're living in a time where this line of thinking is way outside the norm. Way outside the norm. And we're scratching the surface. We're not even going deep. Like this is surface level stuff. And it's so unpopular. I was listening to somebody teach the other day as I was studying through this and listening to other people teach. And he said, if you pay attention, I was telling Shasta this morning, if you pay attention in women's conferences and things now, most of the time they don't even have teaching much. It's more entertainment driven and those types of things. Do you know why? Because they're afraid to teach what the Bible says to women. Because they look in don't be offended over what God wants you. You don't, you don't have to be offended over that. This is not some way to put you into bondage. This is not some trick to get you to, uh, to be you know, our, our servants. This is, not, this is not the desire of a godly man. A godly man doesn't desire his wife to be miserable. A godly man desires for his wife to, be, to feel how important she is. To feel the love that he has for her. But I was talking to a sister this morning via text, and she said she's been studying this out for weeks too, and she said it's almost like we have to be reprogrammed completely because it's so contrary now. And everybody's so scared to death to talk about it for fear that they're going to hurt somebody's feelings. Amen. Guys, don't let the Word of God hurt your feelings. Let it change let it change you. Let it, let, it, let it guide you into truth. If you'll walk these things out, if you'll just do a study of those eight things, it's eight simple things. If you'll do that, it can change your whole life. It can change your marriage, your family, your children. It can change, it can change everything about you. It's not, meant to be, it's not meant to be burdensome. If we'll live out the commandments of God, what we'll find is the same thing He told them in the Old Testament. If we live them out, they'll be a blessing to us. Amen. The world says, oh, look what Christianity is trying to do to you. But God says, if you'll trust me, I'll give you joy like you've never known. Amen. I'll give you peace like you've never known. Freedom like you've never known. Love like you've never known. Don't let the lies of the world tell you what, a, what, what you're supposed to be as a woman. Go to God's Word. Let God's Word tell you what you're supposed to be as a woman. Let God's Word shape the way that you live and the way that you think. There's so, so much work for all of us to do. Amen? We've got so much growing to do in the Lord. And we'll have growing to do all the way to the end of it. We're never going to make it perfect. But we can start today. Amen? We can start today.
All right, let's stand to our feet. Here's what I'll say to you. I'm not giving an altar call. Um, just want you to know that you're you loved and cared for. I would love for Tools of the Carpenter to come back and sing one more song for us. If they would, that would just maybe get you in a better mood. Uh, <laughs> help, you to, help you to see beyond some of my thoughts here. Uh, but if they would, would you all come back up and sing for us? Take them in just to worship the Lord as they sing. And after they sing, we'll shake hands and be dismissed in a word of prayer. Amen. I had to say out a couple of times myself. <laughs> Tim, Brother Tim was looking over. Tim said, I'm totally glad I wouldn't hear me preaching on the men. <laughs> you know, this song, I believe, I believe really, you know, Brother Bill said it, you know, we're going to, one of these days we're going to be perfect. One of these days. Not here. Not going to be perfect. 